Is it time to boomer or bust? Thinking about the Oklahoma Sooners as we head into a road trip against TCU. CD Lamb made a great catch for the Dallas Cowboys on Monday Night Football. And we got some comments from the offensive and defensive coordinator for the Oklahoma Sooners that we'll dig through, digest, and discuss on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Today's episode is brought to you by Upside. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Again, that's at the Upside app. Thank you for joining me. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. He's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef and hear him Monday through Friday on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Josh I'm just I'm just swooning right now with Monday night football vibes after watching our guy CD Lamb kind of take over in the fourth quarter after a pretty egregious drop more than made up for it converting on a got a 17 yard reception early in the drive converted on a fourth and 3 after getting crushed and holding onto the ball then picked up 26 more yards a couple plays later and then had the spectacular one-handed touchdown grab uh to basically it was the the game winning score for the for the Dallas Cowboys. I don't often wear jerseys and I wasn't even wearing this jersey during the game, but I had to put it on so we could show our man Sedarian some love. Congrats CD, fantastic game for you. Josh, how you doing tonight, man? I'm just I'm just living the good life right now as a Dallas Cowboys fan. You got to be, man. Big division uh dub right there over the the New York Giants on the road. That uh by the way was a Beautiful throw and catch. I mean, obviously the CD land portion of it, the one hand into the body, toe tap, uh, you know, side of the end zone there. Everything CD did was amazing, but it was a really nice throw by Cooper Rush. And I, I get it. Okay, we'll get to the Sooners. This is not locked on Cowboys. I, I, I certainly understand that. But, man, you got to just be over the moon with what you've seen from Cooper Rush. They, uh, they're getting good quarterback play from a guy that is a backup quarterback. But right now he's starting to look like, I don't know, maybe he could be – a starting quarterback in this league. Yeah, he's been solid and they've had really good game plans for him. But yeah, this is not locked on Cowboys, but make sure you go listen to our guys, Marcus Mosier and Landon McCool on locked on Cowboys. They give you all the goods. And if you're not a Cowboys fan, make sure you check out a locked on whichever NFL team you follow. A lot of great content out there on the locked on network. So Josh, we've got a great discussion coming up boomer or bust. This is kind of our version of buy or sell. And it's focused on what we think about the Oklahoma Sooners now heading into what needs to be a rebound week. And I'll give proper credit where credit's due. I'm just going to bear with me here, people. If you're watching along on the YouTube side, I am going to read this off my phone verbatim so I can portray to you what these individuals said. And I think their podcast is the Cover 3 podcast, if I have it right. If I, if I have the name wrong, I'm sorry. But it's Dan Wetzel, it's Pat Forty, and it's Ross Dellinger. And essentially the question that they ask every week, John, for prominent power five programs in college football is pride or panic, right? Buy or sell, boomer or bust. And obviously Oklahoma this week is in the crosshairs of that following their setback at home to Kansas State. So they asked pride or panic. And Pat Forty's response was panic. 
absolute panic. Bad day for Sooner Nation. You have to watch Lincoln Riley pull it out to go 4-0 while your team flops at home against Kansas State. There wasn't a lot of fluke to that. They were behind the whole game. So that's Pat Forty's response. Ross Dellinger. I'm in panic mode as well. It's bizarre. Kansas State, I hate to use the cliche, but just has the number, right? Twice. This is the second time in, I guess, three years they've won in Oklahoma. And uh, obviously that's correct. And then Ross a little bit later goes on to say, yeah, panic because my team gave up like 500 yards of total offense against Adrian Martinez and a Kansas State team that lost the week before a 2-2 lane. So a lot of the items that we kind of discussed in the immediate aftermath of this Oklahoma setback at home to Kansas State. And I guess, again, just a revisiting for you and I here, where does sort of you stand with that? And, you know, I know that this is, hey, pick a side, right? A boomer or bust for Oklahoma here. You know, I, I frankly, for me, I do think that it's kind of a need more information. But boomer or bust, forced to pick, where are you at right now with Oklahoma? I'm going to say boomer. I am – Looking forward to watching how this team responds this week. I think they're going to have a really nice rebound performance against what will be a tough TCU team. I mean, Max Duggan, he poses some problems as a running quarterback. We've talked about Quentin Johnson, ad nauseum, one of the best players in the Big 12 and, and one of the best wide receivers in the country. I think what happened on Saturday night caught everybody by surprise. We've talked about it several times now over the last couple of days. Adrian Martinez just coming out and flinging the ball down the field caught me by surprise on the opening drive when he hit some, you know, this no name tight end for what was like a 20, 25 yard gain out of nowhere. And you're like, well, that's different. We haven't seen that yet this year. And obviously he's got more game tape than just this year. But if you're looking strictly at Kansas state from the 2022 season, none of that was available. There was nothing like that on tape. There's nothing like that in his game field. You might hit one play of 15 yards or more, but everything was under 15 yards. Everything was under 10 yards. It was just dink and dunk from Adrian Martinez because he was so afraid of turning the ball over because that was basically his history coming up to this game or to this season. You know, we talked about all the of the turnover troubles. And so if I was caught by caught off guard by what was happening there with Adrian Martinez. Now I'm not a highly paid college football coach, but if you're looking at Kansas state's game film from this year and you're looking to see what their tendencies are, you have to be a bit surprised by that. And I'm sure it caught the team off guard a little bit and he played a great game and you know, we'll, we'll hear from Ted roof or we'll hear some of his comments about the game, but it was also just a not great performance from the defense. And so he played a really good game. The defense didn't play up to their standard, up to their expectations. And all of that kind of merged together for this perfect storm of terribleness for the Oklahoma Sooners defensively. I don't think they'll have a repeat performance of that, especially this week against TCU. First of all, they're not going to face a quarterback that's like Adrian Martinez. Yes, they're going to face running quarterbacks. There's going to, they're going to face a lot of them, but nobody that's got the physique of Adrian Martinez and the physicality of Adrian Martinez. They'll face good running quarterbacks, but they're much different players. And so I, I don't worry about Oklahoma struggling again against running quarterbacks because I think they're fast enough to run with these guys and they'll correct some of the tackling issues and the fit issues defensively that they had against Kansas state. It probably depends a little bit too, John on 
like, what do we mean by boomer or bust, right? If, if boomer is holding Oklahoma to the standard, which Oklahoma wants to be held to the standard by win the big 12 conference, one loss team, college football playoff. I'd have to say I'm leaning bust coming out of this conference opener versus Kansas state, just because to me, I, if now again, if the standard is boomers, just, Hey, you're avoiding a complete catastrophe of a season. I'm not there with Oklahoma. I expect Oklahoma to rebound this week, go down to TCU and pick up this road win. I think Oklahoma is still the favorite in the cotton bowl. I'm, expecting Oklahoma as of right now today to play much better defensively this week, next week, uh, obviously against Texas down in the cotton bowl and to win that game. I guess for me, again, if the, the standard of boomer is one loss, run the table, win a big 12 championship, it, it's hard for me not to see whether it's Baylor at home, whether it's Oklahoma state at home, whether it is one of these next couple of weeks, whether, whether I'm dead wrong on the TCU and the Texas game, it's, it's difficult for me right now to look at the schedule based on what we saw on Saturday night, John, and say, yeah, yeah, I'm comfortable this team's winning eight, nine games in a row. I think kind of where I stand is like I'm still fairly confident this is a pretty good football team. How that plays out, it's kind of anybody's guess because we're seeing that the Big 12 is a very deep conference, top to bottom. Like I did my power rankings today for Sooners Wire for the big 12. And I kind of struggled a little bit with where, how to rank certain teams. And I struggled with leaving West Virginia at 10, even though they got a big win over Virginia tech in Blacksburg, but it was and TCU. I, I struggled with where to put them. Cause yes, they're three and O, but their wins are their big wins are over Colorado and SMU. Colorado's not good. SMU is a group of five team. So this conference is playing good football right now to start the season. It looks really strong. It looks really deep. And so there might be multiple, they might have a two loss big 12 champion this year and not, and not sniff the playoff because of it. But I don't think that that's necessarily a bad season for the Oklahoma Sooners. If they're able to make it to the big 12 championship game, win it, and then maybe go to a group of, or a, a new year six bowl. I think that's a pretty good season still because of the conference and the depth that it has this year. Well, and I would say, you know, there, there's going to be some fans that because of who Oklahoma is and what the expectation is every season, they're not going to slam the yes button on this. But I do think right now the majority of Oklahoma fans, if, if I told you right now, John, hit this button and you're guaranteed Oklahoma wins the Big 12 championship this season, I think based on what we saw Saturday, probably a lot of fans would say, yeah, I'm, I'm okay signing up for that based on what we've seen so far. And because of some of the things that you talked about right there, which is just not the, not the top end strength of this conference, but the top to bottom depth of it, that it looks like it has right now. I mean, like you said, with West Virginia, they they've got a couple of losses to Kansas and to Pittsburgh, but I mean, are either of those losses, what we would consider just bad losses. Doesn't look like it right now. No, no, your two teams that have two losses in the conference are Texas and West Virginia. And Texas lost by one point to Alabama, and they lost in overtime to Texas Tech after their star running back fumbled the ball. And losing in Lubbock, yes, Texas Tech is not a premier program by any stretch of the imagination, but I mean, it's not a, to me, it's not a terrible loss. Like, it's not an embarrassing loss to go to Lubbock and lose in overtime 
without your, you know, your legit starting quarterback, in my opinion. But so that's, that's kind of, I think that shows you the depth of the conference. I, I think somebody, you know, I, I can't remember where I saw it, but it's like just the, the non-conference play from the big 12 has been really, really good. And either, you know, no team has more than two losses and that's pretty great through four, four weeks of the season. So I, I'm still feeling pretty good about this team. Um, there's a lot that they have to clean up. Now, if they go to TCU and we see a lot of the same things, even if they win the game, but we see a lot of the same struggles, then I think it'll start to be time to like be concerned about where this team's going to be and what their future holds in the, in the 2022 season. So that's kind of where I stand. We got more to discuss. We're going to have Ted Roof's comments, at least a couple things heading into TCU. What he thought from the game against Kansas state. We'll hear from Jeff Levy as well, but first let me talk to you about upside. From cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts, and it really hurts. That's why we started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, hey, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. To get started, download the free Upside app, use promo code LOCKED, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card, and get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. So download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCK to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. Josh, we got comments from Jeff Levy and... I want to start with the first one. It's about just getting out to a quick start because that was as much of a problem as anything on Saturday night. There's just got to be a heightened sense of urgency with everybody involved, starting with me about starting faster. You know, we got to do a better job there. You find yourself in a, in a third and six or third and seven situation, first drive and don't convert third and six on the second drive. Don't convert. And you go back to Nebraska, don't convert on that first one, and then obviously Kent State, you know, struggled early. So we got to start faster. Uh, that's the reality of it, and, and get going and play complimentary football, and uh, that'll that'll be a stress for sure this week. Yeah, they, they do. They, they've got to be better in, in that regard. Obviously, this now marks what three games in a row, as Jeff Levy talked about there, where Oklahoma in that category simply was not good. And especially in this game, you know, Nebraska, one of the most impressive parts about it was that you did give up the opening drive touchdown and then you just put the clamps down, right, and uh, suck the life out of the Huskers. But unfortunately, it was a total reversal against Kansas State to where those two opening touchdown drives that Oklahoma surrendered, John, just set the stage for the whole night defensively. And I know we're talking offense here with Jeff Levy, but I mean, just kind of everything working in concert, letting Adrian Martinez do that. And then meanwhile, your, your own offensive failures to fall behind 14 to nothing, the way that you did was just kind of the, the perfect enchilada of no bueno. Yeah. It's, it's somewhat troubling when the first, you know, set of plays, your first drive is generally scripted out. Like, you know what you're going to call as you go through that first drive and it just hasn't really worked well for Jeff Levy, Dylan Gabriel and the Sooners. It's, it's been kind of real hit or miss. Uh, I think some of it we've talked about it is just a lot of the, the short passing game, especially with the behind the line of scrimmage stuff where you're purposefully 
letting you know the ball carrier or the receiver get the ball two yards behind the line of scrimmage. That's a bit of it. Some of it is, I think, not a good kind of mixture of run pass plays and, and them not really blending together well. I think on the two touchdown drives, like you saw the running game working and then setting up the 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 play action pass. And it worked like using both things to set each other up to play in concert with one another. And so we'll see how that works out against TCU this week against a defense. That's probably not pretty good. Uh, we don't really know that, but they just gave up. I think it was 34 to SMU this past that's weekend. Right. So 42, uh, 30. Yeah. So there's a chance to, to correct some of those things and get off to a quicker start there, but we got to see it. The proof is in the pudding, right? Let's hear what uh, Jeff Levy had to say about Dylan Gabriel's performance, because we've talked about that. It was good. It wasn't great, but here's what Jeff Levy had to say. It's, it's, it's such a fine line, you know, and that's, that's the reality of this game. You step into that arena, you're going to want some things back. And again, I thought he played his butt off. He played incredibly tough. He led, he did a lot of things really, really well, but he's going to want some of those back. He wants a couple of those back. Uh, and it's like I said right after the game, I want a couple calls back too. So, again, that's that's the nature of stepping in that arena. We're not going to want him to play perfect. We want him to play perfect, but that's not the reality of the position with everything that we ask him to do. So just continuing to get better and and uh, creating a sense of urgency with everybody in that locker room and, and uh, with us as a unit offensively to make sure we're playing cleaner and, uh, and cleaning up the penalty part of it. Because, again, I think if – if that's better, we're sitting here and it's a little bit different story. I mean, I think that does say part of it. Like that does tell part of the story is if you're cleaning up your penalties in the second half, fourth quarter in particular, you're probably going to go down and score. But those penalties absolutely killed those drives. And it took you out of that opportunity to go up and tie the game. And, and who knows what else happens the rest of that rest of the game. But you take yourself out of the game with those penalties and that that makes a big difference uh obviously the missed throws he didn't really address that there but dylan gabriel's missed throws at times and and he he mentioned himself in the play calling and i think that's that's something that he does need to kind of look in the mirror with is and again a lot of it what happened was really really good you know coming out of the second half and just running the ball down kansas state's throat was great Eric Gray was performing well. And even when they gave a drive to Marcus Major in the first half to kind of like help set a tone, help provide some physicality, I thought that was great too. Even though he wasn't getting bigger chunks like Eric Gray was, it was the tone that he was setting and just the physical presence that he provided that I think helped kind of propel Oklahoma and just give them a little bit of juice in the in the second quarter there. So what, what were your thoughts on what Jeff Levy had to say there? Again, more just – this is what happened, you know, and it needs to get corrected. It's uh, the execution side. You'd like to be able to make the makeable throws when you have them. Right. I mean, we've dissected that thing to death with Dylan Gabriel. The, the execution procedurally, man, I mean, look, that's a totally different story. When you walk away and you have 11 penalties for 87 yards, you, you just feel horrible about what happened there. You, you can't, constantly put yourself behind the sticks or you know shoot yourself in the foot on drives and you know I don't care what the stats said about uh you know Kansas State on different pieces of their puzzle coming into the football game man when you're playing power five opponents if if you're going to constantly you know give yardage up one way or the other offensively or defensively in the penalty department you're gonna get beat man I mean if you, you finish the day with 11 penalties 
a lot of times I don't have uh, any sort of stat here. You know, it'd be fun to kind of look at that stat, but I would almost venture a guess that double-digit penalties more times than not, guess what? You lost the football game if you have that amount of penalties. I mean, it just it's not winning football. I'm sure somewhere out there somebody has dissected that and broken it down into a percentage of if you get five to seven, you win this many times. If you get seven to ten, you win this many, you know, this percentage of time. Ten or more, you're you got a losing record or something like that. But it's out there somewhere. All right. Last thing on Jeff Levy here. What did he thought about Kansas State? Really good things. I, I think again, still the frustration is in the fact that five offensive penalties and uh, and they killed they killed drives and we found ourselves we were really bad on third down we had five uh, third and seven plus uh, where we didn't convert a single one three of those five were because of pre snap penalties one of them was because of a drop and and so you look at that and you, you think man you got a chance to be a lot more efficient if those things don't happen and obviously it, again it's it's going to start with me and with us and and finding a way to make sure we're playing cleaner and smarter but did some great things. Like if you just look from a statistical standpoint, what happened pretty dang good, uh, but it ain't good enough. You know, we got, we got to play cleaner. We got to play better and, and uh, do whatever it takes to, to go win the football game. Jeff, I'm sorry. Even as a guy who loves stats, grew up reading baseball cards. I don't take any solace in what the box score says. Numbers can lie. They can, they provide good context, but also, the game itself actually provides even better context to what the stats show. They did do a lot of really good things, but Brent Venable said it best that in the critical moments, they didn't do good things. And that was what Levy alluded to there. The penalties that set them back. I mean, getting yourself into that many third and sevens, that's not good. The best way to avoid third down is to never have to see third down. So you got to be play, you got to be better on first and second down, so you're not in third and sevens. So yeah, Jeff Levy's got to be a little bit better as a play caller to put himself and the team in a better position to convert on third down, so they can sustain drives. Yeah, I mean the fact that Oklahoma's over five, like he's talking about there in those third and seven situations, I would say probably is uncharacteristic for Oklahoma. But again. You need to be successful on first and second down, John. And we knew coming in, if there was one thing, you know, all the things that we thought, you know, weren't great about Kansas State, and that was namely Adrian Martinez throwing the football, right? Uh, what we knew that Kansas State was good at was this This is a good defense. And typically if they get you, in, you know, third and seven, third and longers, you're not going to convert. So that's a, a failure there in the penalty department and first and second down. Yeah, on the night they were four of thirteen on third down. Not not good. Again, you're not going to win many football games converting less than you know half of your third down conversions. So, all right, let's hear what Ted Roof had to say. Um, kind of what went wrong with the physicality of the team because that was a very different football team. And again, Venables alluded to this in his post game presser that they saw a lot of things that they hadn't seen leading into this game that they expected this team to be better and physical and. Uh, more sound and and more assignment sound and so here here's what Ted Roof had to say. Fits were instead of being like definitively inside a guy so that everybody else could trust the fit. Sometimes we were working head up on blockers, which gave ball carriers two way goes to the design free player. Uh, you know, 
he, then it froze him at times. So uh, just to be uh, extremely precise and the precision that we have to do with that. Uh, I thought our guys played hard. Uh, you know, again, the just the, the precision and, the, and, the, and some of the tackling issues were were obviously a problem. And the third down things, you know, where we had we had opportunities. You, you know, as as many things as it went wrong the other night, whether it was Kansas State doing something good or us doing making a mistake, you know, we still had a chance at the end of the game to get a third down stop and give our offense the ball back and have a chance to win the game. And uh, you know, we didn't do it. Yeah, and that's kind of what it comes down to is, you know, the defined details. If you're playing gap football, which Oklahoma is, everybody's got to hit their gap or it throws everything out of whack. If you're playing two gap, you know, two gap football, that's a different story. You know, the, the linebackers know what they're supposed to do based they're reading the running back. But if you're playing one gap football, they're expecting you to go in the A gap between the center and the guard. And if you don't, you just go straight at the at the guard then it just creates a lot of potential problems and creates a lot of tension on the, on the read. And when a team runs a lot of read option, like Kansas state does, it just puts everybody in conflict and it puts, especially the linebacker who's trying to read the, the mesh play, the handoff, the quarterback running back handoff, it creates a lot more difficulty for him. So I think that's probably the theme for this game is that there was not a lot of precision. There was not a lot of, um, and the, the players weren't, focused in or emphasizing the finer details of what it took to win a football game. And I think what Ted roof, you know, he's asked about physicality there and that's where he takes the conversation. Right. I think the piece that he left out is Oklahoma too many times got its, you know, what kick John, they got pushed around up front. They, they didn't get to the, the right gap that they needed to get to. Right. When he says we're head up on a guy, well, that's because Kansas state got you head up. So, Oklahoma simply, they, they got to be more physical, right? Just like the question was asking Ted Roof. It's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that there are just the, the detail-oriented side of it. Like, that's a thing here. But the other part is, don't get beat. Don't get beat as much. I, you know, it's football. It's simple. It's complex, but it's simple. Yeah, it's it's about man-on-man. And you got to be able to win matchups. And not enough times in that game were Oklahoma able to win their matchups. Uh, very few people on the defensive side of the football won their individual matchups in that game. So last thing from Ted roof, and, it, and we kind of alluded to it a little bit. You, know, you just gave up 143 rushing yards on the ground to Adrian Martinez. You got Max Duggan coming up who is an athletic player. He, he can beat you with his legs. Here's what Ted roof had to say about that. Their quarterback is a, uh, he's a, He's certainly a, a big time running threat. Uh, he's very efficient. And, uh, you know, we, a lot of things show. If you don't take things off tape and correct them and fix them, they show up, they keep showing up. So uh, we've got to make sure that we take, that we get the, those issues corrected and fixed. Uh, so moving forward, when teams do that against us, we, uh, we, we execute better and coach better and all the things that we all do it together. Yeah. So he mentions Max Duggan on the season. You know, Duggan has 12 carries for 77 rushing yards. If you look at pro football focus, which I like to for quarterback running yards, because they don't count sacks against quarterback rush totals like NCAA's official stat books do. So he's been an effective runner. He's not running it a ton, probably hasn't had to against Colorado. Um, did a little bit more against SMU where he had 
uh, what was it? It was six carries for 27 yards in the game. Only one of those was on a scramble. He had five other carries on designed runs. So on designed runs, he had five carries for 16 yards. So not a super efficient day for Max Duggan. Right now, he's just averaging 5.9 yards per attempt. If you're, again, looking at pro football focuses, uh, stat keeping. He is a capable runner. He's an effective runner when given the opportunity, but he's a different style of runner. We mentioned it earlier in the show. He's not the physical, the physical brute that Adrian Martinez is, and he's not the, the quick and speedy guy either. He's just a guy that's kind of able to do some things with his legs. He's got enough athleticism and enough speed to make trouble for you. If you lose contain that said, I don't think it's going to be as much of an issue this week. If it is, then you got some really big problems, right? Because it seems like going in, it, it wouldn't be as challenging to defend that probably you're looking more, you know, not a designed quarterback run here and there, just kind of tuck it and beat you with your legs on a scramble every once in a while, maybe one or two designed quarterback runs just to keep you honest in the run game. But, uh, you, you know, you're not going to line up in 25 straight times unless Oklahoma, again, has some serious, serious problems in the quarterback run game, which maybe TCU does, John, come out and sort of say, you know what? Okay, we saw on tape last week that Kansas State had a ton of success with this. So probably there's a good chance that TCU does come out and, you know, try that a little bit early. But I don't think that structurally the idea that TCU is going to 25 times with its quarterback, Max Duggan, in this game, beat you the same way that Adrian Martinez beat you. Probably he's going to have to drop back and, and throw a little bit to beat you in this game. But like I said to start the response here, if if he does, then all of a sudden, obviously, Oklahoma has some serious, serious problems uh, in, in that piece of its defense, trying to defend quarterbacks in the run game. And the other aspect of this is – does TCU have somebody that's as big of a threat as Deuce Vaughn running the football? I mean, they've got some decent runners. Kendra Miller, we've seen him in the past. He's averaging 6.7 yards per carry, 247 rushing yards. He could be a bit of a threat. He's somebody that you have to be aware of, and he can make plays in the running game. Is he Deuce Vaughn? No, but he's definitely a, a player that can make big plays happen. So that's going to be another element to this is because when you run a lot of the read option or the quarterback stuff, you're you're having to make sure you're accounting for both the running back and the quarterback and that's part of what didn't go well uh, for Oklahoma on Saturday against against Adrian Martinez but again stuff that can be corrected can be fixed just more kind of honing in on the details of how to defend the read option and again you might have a little bit less concern for Kendra Miller who I mean he might end up having a big game because you focus so much on the quarterback run play uh, but Again, I don't think it's going to be as much of an issue because, again, I think they rebound. Who knows? I mean, this team came out of the Nebraska game just riding high, you know, and you look at Kansas State's film from the first three weeks that lost to Tulane, and you're thinking, I mean, I don't know how you go as a player and you don't think, like, we got this. Like, we, you know, how you don't feel somewhat confident about that. I mean, you try to, like, kind of dumb that down in your own mind but the results are the results, right? Like it's a results oriented business and Kansas state's results were two and one and a loss to Tulane, where Oklahoma was coming off of a 35 point win on the road in Lincoln. And so I, I don't know, maybe the players don't think uh, about it at all, but 
I think after that game, it's not necessarily surprising that there was a bit of a letdown. I don't think that's going to happen two weeks in a row. Well, and I think what you're getting at and whether or not there's some truth to it, I, I think probably there is some truth to it, right? I, I don't know that any of the players on the, the team would feel this way, but human nature, right? Human nature to be riding that high. And again, this is the mark of great teams, great programs is so talented that, but even, even we saw Georgia did not play great this week versus uh, a team in Kent state that Oklahoma saw. So, I mean, nobody's perfect. Obviously this week, Oklahoma was very, very far from perfect and it got them burnt. The human nature of having, you know, riding that wave of that high coming out of Lincoln, Nebraska to come back home. We asked the question, you know, how was OU going to handle everybody's saying all these nice, positive things about them. And uh, obviously the answer to that question was they didn't handle it well at all. Okay. How was Oklahoma going to handle you, I, well, probably not you, John, because you're much nicer than myself, but how, how is Oklahoma going to handle everybody saying all these critical things about them this week? Are they going to, they going to fuel it and use that in a positive direction? Or is this thing going to fall in upon itself a little bit? We're about to find out Toby Rowland. Yep. We'll find out here in the next five days as the Oklahoma Sooners travel to Fort Worth, my old stomping grounds to take on the TCU Horn Frogs for an 11 a.m. kick. Uh, make sure you're tuned in to that one. We'll have more coverage later this week. We're going to have a crossover with Stephen Simcox of Locked On Horn Frogs later this week as well to give you a little bit more TCU insight for that game. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in and subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Again, go subscribe over on YouTube so you can get the audio and the video of this uh, of this show. Um, we're trying to get to 3,000 subscribers by Red River Showdown, so help us get ever so closer we're about to hit 2,700, so you can get us to our goal. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner.